Hey everyone, I'm Kim and welcome to episode 18 of Tranquil Dreams Podcast. We're continuing on with the weekly What's Up recap for 2021 as we look back at week 25. Uh, We're still about a week behind right now, of course, um, but we're still going to keep going as it is. Uh, Everything is fully in action now, which is really great. Um, So let's get started right away. Jumping straight into reading. For reading this week, uh, it continues on from last week where I finished Lost Girls and Love Hotels by Catherine Hanrahan, which tells the story of a girl who is trying to run away from her home uh, to forget about home and ends up in Tokyo uh, being trapped between her day job of um, an English specialist for a stewardess training school and um, it's exotic nightlife where she drinks and has drugs and ha- and hooks up with guys in these three-hour ha- three love hotels until she meets a Yakuza um, where it things change to be a lot more dangerous. Love, love Girl, Lost Girls and Love Hotels is one that uh, I picked up after I watched um, the movie. Uh, and it's it's a good premise in general, which I think feels a little bit like Lost in Translation and um, mixed with probably a little bit more of an edgier side to it, as it revolves around a lot more, um, I guess, self-discovery through uh, her desire of kind of having company but not at the same time. Um, it's the concept of loneliness and that sort of uh, just being lonely in a world full of people around her uh, and trying to escape from it Um, and especially trying to run away from her life and the book itself is pretty good because it takes a different angle from the movie Um, I'll talk about the movie a little bit more later but uh, when we get to the watching section, but Love, Lost Girls and Love Hotels is good in the sense that it carries the story where we not only know about her current adventures in Tokyo, uh, from the men she meets to the friends she's met and her job and the people on her job to this, um, I guess, quotation, you know, air quotes, relationship that she has with this gangster and the infatuation she tends to have for him. Um, But at the same time, we also, in between all of them, draws a parallel to her childhood from being a child and how she's interact with her family and especially her brother. And all of a sudden, as, as she moves forward, as she gets older and older, we move up in about two, three years difference where her story between her age and her brother and how they both change over the course of time. And eventually you kind of get an idea of why she's chosen to escape the life that she has in Toronto and her family in order to seek this life. I mean, overall, it's a pretty good book. I think in, in reality, what changes is that the the book itself has its own issues um, where it seems to, I think it's a little bit too quick for itself. Um, in some ways, it feels like some things aren't as explored in depth because this story isn't about an erotic novel. It's not an erotic thriller in that sense. 
it's more of kind of a coming of age self-discovery sort of story that explores the deeper themes about her and while you get to see a lot of those themes i think a lot of it gets lost in all these other tangents that don't get fully explored and characters that don't get the depth that they probably deserve um because it would give her it would kind of make her character uh feel a little bit more full i guess but the reality of it is that even though we know all of the surface things and you can see the hidden themes that are trying to be explored in this book because of all of these little things that don't seem to go as deep as they should the novel seems to lose that type of connection you would have with the character at least for me that's how i feel um you still the, it is still a pretty engaging read because you do explore a lot of japan a lot of its culture a lot of its point of views through or towards different um themes and it also talks pretty well descriptions of you know this nightlife and these um these the bar that she frequents to the different type of love hotels and the room themes and all those different things um and it's fascinating because not a lot of people will, you know, go in that direction. And it, it is pretty interesting to read about. Um, different elements of this culture and even that whole fascinating type of being this English specialist and that sort of training school that she goes to and that sort of thing. But some other elements seem to really, um, I guess it just feels a little like it has so much potential to be more than it is and to be a stronger story but it seems to be limited because of um i never talked too much about over editing but i feel like maybe the thoughts were not fleshed out or portrayed as well as it should be um so you know it's a decent book i did power through a lot of it i was really interested in it but in the end i still felt like something was missing which maybe if we took the good parts of this one and um, later on when I talk about the film and watching about that one that the good parts of both of them together would create a more full experience and that's really it for reading um, things are definitely back on track I mean I finally finished a book when I'm like I don't know <laughs> 10 books behind from my goal from 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 uh, to be on track in my reading challenge or something so I have a lot of catching up to do uh, with that said, let's move to playing. Um, in terms of games, I'm still playing Spiritfarer. <laughs> I've been talking about that for the past three weeks. Um, I've been really into it lately. Um, I mean, the week that we're talking about at least, uh, Spiritfarer is something that I really enjoy, a cozy simulator where you um, build kind of a world to uh, where you are a fairy master who uh, picks up spirits and uh, helps them complete their different quests in order to take them to the afterlife. Send them off to the afterlife. Um, and it's a really fun, it's a really fun game. I'm still having a lot of fun with it. It's going to be in the background for a while, I think, um, as I move on. Um, but I think that the main part of uh, gaming uh, this week would definitely be E3. Obviously, as this comes out, E3 has already passed about two, three weeks, I would say. Um, but obviously this is in delay, so... Uh, I mean, E3 lasted for a while, and I'm not gonna talk about the whole thing, but we did try to cover most of the big conferences. 
um, in terms of probably highlights and whatnot. Um, I believe that most of the conferences felt like they were a bit lackluster this year. A lot of things felt like it was better than last year because it was less rushed and for sure it definitely feels like 2022 has a lot of games coming up that potentially will be really really great and um, for once it really feels like Xbox while still having that really heavy trailer filled type of uh, conference experience it did pair up with Bethesda which was a good and bad thing because one you now realize that all of future Bethesda games are mostly going to be Xbox exclusive um, which comes with you know being bought out by them uh, Cinemax being bought out by by Microsoft but at the same time uh, there is a lot of games which uh, comes forward especially because a lot of them are going to be day one releases on the Xbox Game Pass um, I don't know if they're all going to be for PC since that's what I have, but I'm definitely looking forward to being able to access a lot of games on day one without having to chunk a, to, to, to chuck out a chunk of change for it, pretty much. Um, but it's pretty good. Uh, I mean, if you were to talk about some of the highlights, I would um, definitely say that obviously um, the Life is Strange 3 is going to be a big one, which is called True Colors. Um, I have my eye on Ubisoft, which uh, which doesn't isn't really a game, but I guess for me it's pretty interesting as I'm looking forward to hearing more details about Rocksmith Plus since I am trying to learn the guitar and this seems like a fun way to do it. Um, on top of that, there's um, there's some indie games obviously that caught my eye from Trek to Yomi to uh, Inscription. Um, and uh, if we were talking about, you know, Gearbox had Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, while I've never played any Borderland games, this is a game on its own, um, just set in somewhat of that touches into the Borderlands world and that sort of style. Um, and then, you know, of course, I've talked about Bethesda and Xbox a lot. I mean, you know, Starfield and uh, all these new games that <laughs> seem to be just teasers um, definitely look like they're interesting concepts, to say the least. Um, and you have indie games like 12 Minutes, which has a really strong voice cast, but would still be, I think, considered an indie game overall, to Somerville, which um, is going to uh, be, you know, kind of save that drought of waiting for Playdead's next game, as this seems like this is going to be the next project overall that's coming out, as uh, while it's under a new company called Jumpship. Um, and you have other games, like, you know, other games that look really fun, really interesting, but I'm not sure what to expect from it, but they seem interesting enough, like, replaced, and, um, obviously there's also Xbox exclusive, like, For Forza Horizon 5. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna go through a lot of them, you know, you can see a lot of my thoughts on the games, uh, in the link below. We've already released the episode on Game Warp for the E3 coverage. Uh, where we go through a lot more of the announcements in detail, um, things that caught our eye, some of our thoughts on it and impressions, and what stood out for us overall. Um, obviously, I just went through a quick list of what I think is, um, you know, things I'm looking forward to myself. And moving forward is uh, watching. <laughs> well, we're going to jump right in and talk straight away about Lost Girls and Love Hotels, the movie. Um, well, I mean, I've been looking at a lot of the ratings and stuff after I finished the movie, and the ratings are not that favorable. A lot of people thought it was a pretty bad movie overall, I would say. I actually 
liked it quite a bit. I thought that Lost Girls and Love Hotels, as you watch it more, there's a lot more little things you can catch in the dialogue and in the little details that highlight this. Um, the characters themselves definitely have a little bit more depth. I think it has to do that now you can really see the portrayal in the face of our actors and actresses. Um, the arc of this uh, falling in love with uh, a gangster definitely brings a lot more to the front but this time I think it takes a different angle from the book because this one shows their kind of like absolute infatuation with each other and how it really drives her into this kind of uh, just really pulls her life apart because she ends up losing a lot for this relationship but when you and then it comes to an end where it pulls together some of the things but some of the lines still feel very disjointed in the film but I think what I appreciated the most was really the fact that now you get to visually see a lot of things that may have lacked description whether it's the exotic nightlife or the friends or whatnot um, some of the some of the things still feel like they're lacking but there are some things that definitely feel a lot more fleshed out like the relationship or even going deeper into some of the connections that she has with other people and it feels so much because this is something of you know it does have that kind of sex sexual focus to it that there is some sort of you know it is a fine line you know obviously when you write a novel what falls into kind of you know adult and mature and or new adult or erotic versus you know where something is a lot more than that and I think that in the writing side, it was good to be contained in that way. But in the film side, it was really, a, it was a really good move to be able to create that through their different sex scenes um, and the portrayal of it that really built up the connection between the two characters um, and where he's able to take her to learn about new things and, you know, the, how the culture and different things that helped her kind of move forward. Um, but obviously, you know, there are deeper type of, uh, there is another side of the consequences that she ends up experiencing in the book that the movie doesn't really explore, but kind of switches it around and making it, uh, a lot, I guess, bad in its own way where it gives her that when your life falls to the bottom that the only way to go is up type of deal where she finally has that revelation about what she needs to do next. Um, I mean, the end game for both is pretty much the same. So um, it's really the process that changes a little. Um, but I, I really, I'm a big fan of like movies which explores kind of self-discovery and adventures in kind of like a slice of life uh, where it's just um, a phase of someone's life or meeting someone that really changes your life um, in, in movies or even... You know, I, I mean, it would be really interesting to see, you know, in movies where different people meet, uh, meet up through different experiences, whether it's that one day or one night or adventure, or even in this case, it's a little bit longer. It's, it would, it's set over a few months, which feels like it's such a short amount of time. And it really changes that perspective that some people really pass through your life and make those changes in your life. And I think that those type of things are so um, interesting to watch because it really carries out kind of a person's journey really quickly, but it still has a lot of meaning behind it. 
I still say, you know, Lost Girls and Love Hotels in terms of the movie still has some execution problems. It's not as, you know, I, I like the movie, but I still am very aware of the issues that it has, which some of them are very similar to the book itself. Um, where for one, this one doesn't explore anything of her past um, and you only know about her past and why she's there through little conversation moments. Um, which I think isn't enough to build her character in that sense, where her character feels a little bit more empty here, but because they push her into such depths that it, um, it changes it around. There are a few tangents in the book that doesn't get explored in the movie enough. Um, there's little hints towards it, but never enough depth. Um, and, you know, seeing that the screenplay for this one is also written by Catherine Hanrahan, I, I don't know. I mean, I wonder if what the story she has in her mind, because it seems like it's changed in both like the portrayal, whether it's changed over the course of the book being released to the movie or maybe what she deems to be more important, what needs to be focused on. Either way, I'm not the author, so I don't know. Um, but I feel like that the differences definitely have, you know, a different meaning to them. And, um, you know, I spent a little bit of time while I was putting together the reviews uh, and, and, and whatnot to kind of talk about that a little. And if you're coming from the blog, you can definitely check that out at the bottom and read kind of more in-depth thoughts of it. Um, next up is 20, 2007's Teeth, which is um, labeled as a horror comedy. I would say it's a little bit, I guess it's, it, it's horror. It's a bit com com comedic, I guess, um, because, you know, essentially what you're talking about, Teeth, is about a teenage girl who um, who is in this kind of, I don't know what you call it, it's like this abstinence type of group <laughs> where they're all about the, you know, saving yourself for marriage and not having sex and whatnot. But when she meets someone, um, a boy in school, she starts having this type of feeling towards them. And that's what leads her to realize that um, <laughs> she has, she has basically a vagina with teeth. <laughs> um, this, this, this podcast is turning to be really sexual, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the idea of it is interesting because it is an in unique type of way because as she learns more about this private parts that she has, um, it eventually, re she re eventually realizes that it's only when it's when she's threatened that it comes into action. So in reality, her vagina with teeth is actually um, a self-defense mechanism. Um, and it's one that, you know, obviously she, with the course of the movie, you realize she meets a lot of bad, bad people, bad men who want to take advantage of her. And because of that, you know, they have different things that get bitten off. Um, and... It, you know, the reactions and whatnot, it is very funny because I think probably even as, as a girl watching this happen, it, it feels like it's such a interesting thing and the reaction and the, and that sort of reaction from other people and how other people are, are uh, you know, are looking at this and even her reaction to it is meant to be funny because she, she's just like, oh no, not again type of thing at the end, right? And it, <laughs> you know, it, it's hard to take a movie like this really, really seriously or feel a, a, like a huge amount of fear as it goes on because I don't think it's meant to be that way. 
But at the same time, you know, I actually feel like in terms of the movie itself, you know, you can only meet so many bad people before it gets repetitive, and then you know that, you know, it's just a matter of what point, you know, it's going to come into action and see if something's going to get bitten off, right? So the manner of how, you know, how the danger has occurred and how, how action is taken um, is pretty repetitive overall. So I think that, you know, while the movie itself is really enjoyable, there it does have a little bit of repetitiveness and it lacks that sort of depth, which, I mean, to me, when I watch a lot of horror movies now, I really don't look for too much depth, um, depth unless it's about... Unless it's, you know, you know you're going into some kind of slow burn indie film, which is meant to have that sort of between the lines and that sort of thing. But if a movie is already labeled as horror comedy to begin with, I usually don't care too much about it. I mean, for me, Teeth was, it was pretty fun. I didn't, you know, I, I was, a, you know, I stayed awake the entire time, which, you know, is a rarity for me nowadays because apparently I'm so tired from reality and work and all that that sometimes I do fall asleep during movies and I have to sit sit through movies in different sittings but I was I thought that teeth was really well paced I had a lot of fun watching it and um to me I think it's 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 decent you know I had a decent time watching it and the last movie I watched is um The Amusement Park George Romero's the amusement park on Shutter, and this is the restored version. I've never watched the original. I think it's really unique in the sense that um, the movie itself is so different. Because I know a lot about Romero other than his Living Dead series, and because I've explored so much of that series, um, to me that's kind of his staple. So when I look at the amusement park, it was kind of a surprise because the the movie itself is about an elderly gentleman who who goes for, you know, this ordinary day at the amusement park, and then he realizes it turns into this really, this nightmare. And as he, and as he goes through this film, it is such a depressing type of view because you're watching this old man going through, and as he goes through all of these things, he starts getting very battered, and he still starts getting hurt, and all those different things through different events that happen throughout this um, this amusement park day. This kind of, you know, it focuses on this um, elder abuse and ageism. And it, it is so, I think that the parallel and whatnot is so clever in the way that it's done. Sure, you know, the experience at the end feels pretty depressing overall. And when you look at a film like this, and when you compare it to such a happy place like the amusement park, it feels like it has so much more uh, depth and imagination and creativity behind it um, to kind of just even use that sort of contrast between a happy place and it being um, eventually some essentially everybody's you know happy place but being uh, this elderly gentleman's nightmare. And the movie is a little bit slow burn for sure but uh, it runs like at 50 something minutes so it's super short and really um, and and a really meaningful type of experience, I think. Um, I would I would definitely recommend it for sure.
And yeah, that really that pretty much wraps up the um, movies sort of thing. Where um, in terms of watching, I watched those three movies, and it was pretty good. I think overall. Moving on from there is our last section, and that's binging. Um, binging is fairly quiet. Most of the things are the same. I did start two two TV series. I would say. Um, the first is um, on iQiyi, which is a variety show, like a, you know, it's a, it's a variety kind of reality show, which is called Mr. Housework Season 3. I never watched Season 1 and 2, so I don't know what's happened before that. Um, but Season 3 had uh, had guests that, you know, the celebrities that were following that I really like, so I, I wanted to join in, and it's turned out to be quite the fun experience. Like, there has been a ton of laughs. Um, the focus of it is really to uh, look at um, kind of driving men, whether it's husbands or families or whatever, to get into housework, especially men. Um, and you, you kind of lead them through these kind of real life situations and you, it's an observational type of story. So uh, you have, they basically focus on three groups. The first is a couple, the second is a family, and the third are roommate style. Um, and you see the different dynamics between them. Uh, and, you know, I think it's pretty fun overall. Uh, it's a cool little series. Um, I'm definitely, you know, I, I definitely looking forward to watching more of this because it, it is super enjoyable to watch. And I think some of, especially when you talk about the roommates, it's hilarious to watch them, um, watch them interact together. Uh, um, I think it's a pretty good show. I, it, you know, it, 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 it's hard to say whether these things will persist over time, but I think the experience of it is, is, is still as an observational type of uh, TV series. I, I, I think these ones are pretty fun to watch overall. Um, there's always a lot of laughs, a lot of incidents that happen that make it really, really entertaining. Um, and other than that, I mean, I started also on iQiyi, The Day of Becoming You which is a unique little series about um, body swap. <laughs> and it's a little romantic comedy. I feel, I think it feels um, very different because um, I don't think anybody's, I don't think that it's happened too often in TV series where they use that type of um, premise. Uh, in this one, you know, you have Steven Zhang and uh, uh, Liang Jie, which is uh, the main leads and, um, one plays the leader of a boy band and the other an entertainment reporter who end up meeting and through an elevator incident they swap bodies um, and have to experience each other's lives and over the course of the film they start developing uh, feelings for each other of course and they start falling in love and then they realize that um, some of the things they do like kissing and whatnot makes them swap bodies also and I think what is really fun is that how they're able to turn this romantic moment into this into this suddenly very comedic moment where their body swaps and then these different actors and actress has to change into the style of another person um, of the person that you know they're they're playing the other person so it, you know, there's a, it's really funny because, you know, the, the girl has to act like a guy and then the guy has to act like a girl, whether it's a style of talking or whatever, everything changes. And I think it's so interesting to see because, um, it's just, I think it's just so enjoyable to watch, uh, because you're experiencing all these things that probably 
um, say, you know, men won't experience about women or women won't know about men. And it's, it's, it, I think it's just so, you know, it's very, very unique to have this type of premise. And um, I mean, for the most part, it's, you know, from where I am right now, the series is hilarious. It's so comedic and just watching, I mean, I'm a big fan of Steven Zhang. And I think that him doing this role where whenever he has that body swap and he turns into a girl is hilarious. It's just absolutely hilarious. And he's so, you know, it really breaks that image that you'd have of him. Um, especially, you know, since I've watched a few others of him where he, he's a very different but very flexible type of actor. Um, whether you talk about Go Ahead, where he plays more of a supporting role, but, um, you know, a, a different type of uh, background in his story, um, to, to Skate Into Love, where he's also, you know, he plays a hockey player, um, a, a university hockey player, and trying to reach for his dreams and whatnot. And in that one, he also has a falling in love moment, right? And all these things are so different. And when you look at this one, it, it's, I think that for both the female and male lead here, it makes such a big difference where you can really see that flexibility in their acting skills. And um, I honestly am pretty impressed because Lang Jie, I, the, the female lead here, I don't really, I mean, I've seen a few of her series, but I've never really been a huge fan of her acting. I think that this one really was an eye-opening experience for me, at least from where I am right now. I don't know if the series, how the series is going to progress um, when it hits the end, but uh, we'll talk about that when um, the series final wraps up. Uh, with that said, um, that wraps up binging. I mean, I had a really great time with uh, binging. I think that all the series are really good, but like I said, Aichi as I mentioned before, Aichi is a platform that's um, fairly, you know, some things are accessible. I think that uh, Mr. Housework and Day, Beco Day of Becoming, uh, I think Mr. Housework is free, and The Day of Becoming You is probably, I think the first five episodes is free, and I'm not sure whether the rest is locked on VIP or whether it's going to open over time. I'm not sure about the schedule on that uh, on that front. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can always go check it out, iq.com. <laughs> it's not hard to find. It's iq.com. Um, and you can see, you know, what, what you can find on there. Uh, with that said, this wraps up this week of... This week, um, week 25 uh, of the What's Up. Um... If you enjoyed, please like, share, subscribe, follow. I don't know. I don't know whichever platform you're on, whichever applies to you. Um, you can also check out my blog for all the reviews and um, TV binges and such um, and other content, obviously, uh, at kling.wordpress.com. You can check out my Instagram, which is Tranquil Dreams. Uh, Facebook and Twitter also update with... Um, with the posts that go up and Facebook is Tranquil Dreams blog and Twitter is Tranquil Dreams underscore. Um, and that pretty much wraps it up. Till next time. Bye.